The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Kia ora. thanks for tuning in to the most down-to-earth kids radio show in New Zealand, The Kids Mix, with me, Kath B. We'll have songs, stories, fun facts, giveaways, and what's that noise? Plus, Susie Cato joins us with Susie and Friends. The Kids Mix, with me, Kath B, on Fresh FM. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. You've had some rest, now it's time to wake up. You feel refreshed, now it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. You've had some rest, now it's time to wake up. You feel refreshed, now it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. We go to the beach. Yay! We take a tally. We might eat a peach. We might eat a peach. We go to the beach. We're jumping like frogs. We're jumping like frogs. We find hollow logs. We hollow We put on our toes. We put on our toes. We're jumping like frogs. We're jumping like frogs. We run to the sea. We run to the sea. It goes over our knees. It goes over our knees. It's warm when you wee. It's warm when you wee. We run to the sea. We run to the sea. We splash and we swim. We splash and we swim. You, me, and him. Who's that? And someone called Tim. Someone called Tim. We splash and we swim. We splash and we swim. Our feet touch the ground. I want tiptoes. Adults are around. Adults Don't are go around. Out too so far. we're safe and sound. So we're safe we and won't. sound. Our feet touch the ground. Our feet touch the ground. We shiver a lot. We shiver Brr. a lot. But pretend to be hot. But pretend I'm to not be hot. Cold. When we're really not. When Neither we're really am I. Not. We shiver a lot. We shiver Brr. a lot. It's time to get out. It's time to get out. Our parents they shout. Our parents they shout. Enough mucking about. Enough mucking about. It's time to get out. It's time to get out. We get warm and dry. We get warm and dry. Sunblock in my eye, but I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. We get warm and dry. We get warm and dry. Time for something to eat. Time for I'm something starving. to eat. Salad sandwiches, sweet. Salad sandwiches, sweet. Ice cream for a treat. Ice cream for a treat. Time for something to eat. Time for I'm something full. to eat. Build a castle of sand. Build a castle Over of here. sand. Everyone lends a hand. Are you give us a hand? Be careful, don't stand. Be careful, don't Boy, get stand. off. On our castle of sand. Shall we bust it? Collect feathers and stones. Look at this stone. one. And shells and bones. Shells and bones. And a few unknowns. And a few unknowns. Collect feathers and stones. No we don't want to go. We don't a want bit to longer. go. The sun's getting low. The sun's getting low. Go. Pack up really slow. Pack up really slow. We don't want Come to on, go. Kids. We Do don't we want have to go. To? We went to the beach. That went was to the fun. Beach. We took a tally. Took a tally. Did not eat a peach. Did not eat a peach. We went to the beach. We went to the beach. Thank goodness we're home. Here's a silly song featuring Emma Eden by Mo and Friends. Okay, help me out here, Emma.
it fast. Or you can take your cat to the movies. Cat to the movies? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know. That's kind of the point, Mo. All right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get a little frustrated when things aren't going your way. But don't forget to kick your heels up, turn your frown around and play. Sometimes you can be too serious. It's more fun to be gregarious. You know what I think would be hilarious? If we all got a little bit delirious. Sing a silly song. Go on and take a chance. Spin around, around. You know what I think would be hilarious If we all got a little bit delirious Sing a silly song Go on and take a chance Spin around and round And dance a dizzy dance La Sing a silly song It doesn't have to rhyme You can sing it fast Or you can take your time You're listening to me, Kath B on the Kids Mix on Fresh FM. I love this next story. It's called Winnie the Pooh and the Bees. Once upon a time, a very long time ago now, about last Friday, Winnie the Pooh lived in a forest all by himself. One day when he was out walking, he came to an open place in the middle of the forest, and in the middle of this place was a large oak tree, and from the top of the tree there came a loud buzzing noise. Winnie the Pooh sat down at the foot of the tree, put his head between his paws and began to think. First of all, he said to himself, That buzzing noise means something. If there's a buzzing noise, somebody's making a buzzing noise. And the only reason for making a buzzing noise that I know of is because you're a bee. Then he thought another long time and said, And the only reason for being a bee that I know of is making honey. And then he got up and said, And the only reason for making honey is so I can eat it. So he began to climb the tree. And as he climbed, he sang a little song to himself. Then he climbed a little further, and a little further, and then just a little further. He was nearly there now, and if he just stood on that branch, crack! Oh, help, said Pooh, as he dropped ten feet on the branch below him. If only I hadn't, he said, as he bounced twenty feet onto the next branch. You see, what I meant to do, he explained, as he turned head over heels and crashed onto another branch thirty feet below. What I meant to do, of course it was, rather, he admitted, as he slithered very quickly through the next six branches. It all comes, I suppose, he decided, as he said goodbye to the last branch, spun round three times and flew gracefully into a goose bush. It all comes of liking honey so much. Oh, help. He crawled out of the gorse bush, brushed the prickles from his nose, and began to think again. 
and the first person he thought of was Christopher Robin. So Winnie the Pooh went round to his friend Christopher Robin, who lived behind a green door in another part of the forest. Good morning, Christopher Robin, he said. Good morning, Winnie the Pooh, said Christopher Robin. I wonder if you've got such a thing as a balloon about you. A balloon? What do you want a balloon for, Christopher Robin said. Winnie the Pooh looked round to see that nobody was listening, put his paw to his mouth and said in a deep whisper, Honey. But you don't get honey with balloons. I do, said Pooh. When you go after honey with a balloon, the great thing is not to let the bees know you're coming. If you have a blue balloon, they might think you are only part of the sky and not notice you. Wouldn't they notice you underneath the balloon? Christopher Robin asked. They might or might not. You never can tell with bees. Pooh thought for a moment and said, I shall try to look like a small black cloud. That will deceive them. Both of them went out with the blue balloon and Christopher Robin took his gun with him, just in case, as he always did, and Winnie the Pooh went to a very muddy place that he knew of, and rolled and rolled until he was black all over. And then, when the balloon was blown up as big as big, and Christopher Robin and Pooh were both holding on to the string, Christopher Robin let go suddenly, and Pooh Bear floated gracefully up into the sky, and stayed there, level with the top of the tree and about twenty feet away from it. Hooray! Christopher Robin shouted. Isn't that fine? shouted Winnie the Pooh down to him. What do I look like? You look like a bear holding on to a balloon. Not, uh, not like a small black cloud in a blue sky. Not very much. Oh well, perhaps from up here it looks different. As I say, you never can tell with bees. There was no wind to blow him nearer to the tree, so there he stayed. He could see the honey, he could smell the honey, but he couldn't quite reach the honey. After a little while, he called down, Christopher Robin, hello? I, I think the bees suspect something. What sort of thing? I don't know, but something tells me that they're suspicious. Christopher Robin? Yes? Have you an umbrella in your house? I think so. I wish you'd bring it out here and walk up and down with it and look up at me every now and then and say, Oh, tut tut, it looks like rain. I think if you did that, it would help the deception we're practicing on the bees. Christopher Robin laughed to himself. Silly old bear. But he didn't say it aloud because he was so fond of him and he went home for his umbrella. Oh, there you are, called down Winnie the Pooh as soon as he got back to the tree. Well, now, if you walk up and down with your umbrella saying, Tut, tut, it looks like rain, I shall do what I can by singing a little cloud song, such as a cloud might sing. Go. How sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue Every little cloud always sings aloud. The bees were still buzzing as suspiciously as ever, and some of them indeed left their nests and flew all round the cloud, and one bee sat down on the nose of the cloud for a moment and then got up again. Christopher, oh, Robin, called out the cloud. 
Yes? I've just been thinking, and I've come to a very important decision. These are the wrong sort of bees. Are they? Quite the wrong sort. So I think I shall come down. How? asked Christopher Robin. Winnie the Pooh hadn't thought about this. If he let go of the string, he would fall, bump, and he didn't like the idea of that. So he thought for a long time, and then he said, Christopher Robin, you must shoot the balloon with your gun. Have you got your gun? Of course I have. But if I do that, it'll spoil the balloon. But if you don't, said Pooh, I shall have to let go, and that would spoil me. When he put it like this, Christopher Robin saw how it was, and he aimed very carefully at the balloon and fired. <laughs> said Pooh. Did I miss? Christopher Robin asked. Well, you didn't exactly miss, said Pooh. But you missed the balloon. I'm so sorry, Christopher Robin said. He fired again, and this time he hit the balloon, and the air came slowly out, and Winnie the Pooh floated down to the ground. Are you ready for more songs and stories? Thanks for joining me, Kath B, on Fresh FM's Kids Mix. In the Lion King movie, they talk about the circle of life. Here's a song about it. Hey, when I'm a bad, 
you were a fuzzy, buzzy bumblebee? Would you buzz around or bumble around, spreading pollen? Let's find out in this next song by Chanel. If I was a fuzzy, buzzy bumblebee, I'd go bumbling around, bumbling around. I'd bumble up high in the sky, I'd bumble my way down. If I was a Fuzzy, buzzy bumblebee. If I was a giggly, wriggly rattlesnake, I'd go rattle around, rattling around. I'd rattle up a big old tree, I'd rattle my way down. If I was a giggly, wriggly rattlesnake. 
floaty, floaty puffer fish And I go puffing around, puffing around I puff right up to the top of the waves I'd puff my way back down If I was a bloaty, floaty puffer fish today is called Pania of the Reef. Pania of the Reef. Karetaki was a handsome young man, tall and strong. He was admired greatly by all the young women from near and far. But Karetaki showed no interest in any of them. One evening at dusk, he was walking alone on a sandy beach, lost in his thoughts, when he noticed a movement over by some rocks. He stopped still and observed. He could make out the shape of a young woman. This young woman was unfamiliar to Karataki, and he moved closer to have a look. She was covered in seawater, and her eyes were as green as the seaweed. As Karataki gazed, he felt a warm stirring in his chest. The next moment, the young woman turned and on seeing Karataki, gasped in surprise. Do not be afraid. Come and talk to me, whispered Karataki. And they gazed deeply into each other's eyes. Karataki gently took the young woman's hand and asked, Who are you? And where is your home? I have never seen you before. The young woman looked away out to sea and said, I am Pania of the Reef. My home is the wild ocean. My people are of the sea. Every evening my sisters and I come and play on these rocks. We watch the beautiful sunsets and we watch you from afar. Now Karetaki understood why he had never seen her before. I am Karetaki and I love you. Will you come and be my wife? Pania shook her head sadly. I cannot. I am of the sea. You are of the land. And still they gazed into each other's eyes. At last, Pania agreed to leave the sea and live on dry land with Karetaki as his wife. 
Karitaki knew the pull of the sea was very strong, and he made Pani a promise never to go back to her people. Karitaki was afraid of losing his beautiful maiden of the sea. Karitaki and Pania were very happy until one day Karitaki came to Pania and said, "I must leave you alone. It is time for me to hunt the fat kereru. I will be gone for a few days." Pania begged her young husband to stay, but his mind was made up, and he would not change it. That night, as Pania lay alone in her bed, she listened to the sound of the breakers rushing in, and she could hear her sisters calling, calling her from the reef. Pania, Pania, Pania. Pania turned over and tried to block out the sound of her calling sisters. But they called on and on. Very soon, Pania felt the longing too great, and she climbed out of bed and walked down to the sea. There were her seven sisters sitting on the reef, with their arms outstretched. Pania, come and play with us! They called. Pania replied, "No." I am married to Karataki. I love him, and I am never returning to you. Please stop calling me. I have made my choice. I am going to live on the land with Karataki. And she turned to go home. Her sisters called again. Pania. Pania turned. And looked back at her sisters. Come in for one last game with us, they urged. Pania thought, one little game with my sisters wouldn't hurt, and my husband will never know. She waded out into the sea, and her sisters came to meet her, and joyfully they all dived and bobbed amongst the breaking waves. Then they rested. Out on the reef, the eldest sister said, "Pania, our beloved parents have grieved since you left. Come down for a short visit. Your husband will never know." Finally, Pania agreed. She agreed to go into the ocean depths for one last visit to her parents. Down she plunged. Down, down. The cool water soothed her skin, and the little fish came up to greet her. Pania wept for joy when she was reunited with her mother and father. She told them of her love for the man of the land, Karataki. A shadow passed over her father's face. That night. As Pania slept beneath the ocean, her father built a cage around her bed, and when she awoke, she realized what had happened. Her family had trapped her, and now never again would she be able to live upon the land with her Karataki.
she wept bitterly and begged her parents to set her free. But they would not. You belong here, Pania. You are of the sea. This is your home, they reminded her. When Karatake arrived home, he realised at once what had happened. He rushed down to the beach and called for his wife. Pania! Pania! It is me, your husband, Karatake. Come home, my beloved. Come home. And far below, Pania heard his desperate calls. She called back, but her voice was lost in the sound of the waves breaking on the rocks. Night after night, Karetaki returned to the beach and sadly waited for his wife to return. But she never did. When the moon is full on the glistening sea, sometimes Pania comes to the reef with her sisters. Pania gazes longingly at her home and she thinks of Karataki. People say, at times, you can hear Pania on the reef, calling, calling, ever calling, longing for the love of her lost husband. stage show. A few years back, I got on a plane with my daughter and flew to Melbourne to see the Lion King stage show. Here's a song from the original Broadway show, The Lion King, called They Live In You. Hey, wait, I'm a 
And the spirit of life Calling Mamela And a voice With the fear of a child Asking Oh Mamela into Freshy Feet and Kath B's Kids Mix. Here's a sea shanty by Captain Festus McBoyle. Hoisting the sails. Or pulling in the anchor. Scrubbing the deck. Or sewing up the holes in the sails. So what we do is we sing a song called A Shanty. And what it does is it puts a big smile on your face like... See if you got and stamp your feet in time with a song. If I pull out my dagger, just give me your swagger, for I'll have to poke out your eye. Then I pull out my sword and I cut off your ear, possibly flint lock your thigh. Yes, then I take the quick two pictures of pots of gold and smile as I tell you the tale of the day the black blister ran over my sister. I could have sworn she was wearing. Now luckily for me, she weighed half a ton And only the back of her dress come undone And now pop the cider, my two pots of gold That I'd acquired before, before. So I pulled out my dagger, poked out her eye Said funny, don't be stealing no more Oh, the day the black blister ran over my sister I got a son, she won't wear it's story time. Yay!
This story's called The Singing Bear, and it's by Louise. The Singing Bear Emily had a golden, soft, cuddly singing bear she called Melody because every night she tucked him into bed with her and he sang until she went to sleep. Mum and Dad had given him to her on her fifth birthday and every year since he had sung Happy Birthday to her on her special day. On Christmas Eve and Christmas Day he sang Christmas carols. He had a button on his tummy When Emily pressed the button once, he sang blowing bubbles in his little high voice. If she pressed the button twice, he sang, here we go round the mulberry bush. And if she pressed it three times, he sang silent night. They were her favourite songs. He sang them over and over, and she often sang along with him. Sometimes Emily would hear a song on the radio that she liked, and Dad would program it into Melody's recorder. And then she could press the button four times to hear the tune as often as she liked. She would sleep peacefully and have happy dreams. On Thursday, Emily had a bad day. Everything seemed to go wrong. Melody usually sang good morning to her to wake her up. But this morning, he was silent. And Emily slept in. She rushed around to find her school things and gobbled her breakfast in a hurry. She couldn't find her shoes, and by the time she found them under her bed, she was running late for the bus. It was a cold, wet day. The rain was pouring down and there were puddles everywhere. Emily slipped over in the mud as she ran to the bus stop. And when she stood up, the bus had disappeared around the corner at the end of the street. Slowly she walked home, covered in cold, slimy mud, to have a shower and change her clothes. Mum had to take her to school in the car. She was late and missed assembly. Emily shivered all day. She had forgotten to take her homework book to school, and she got all her spelling wrong. Her best friend Sally was away with the flu, and it was too wet to play outside at lunchtime. After school, she began sneezing and coughing. Her head ached and she felt miserable. I've had a horrible day, she told her mother, and she couldn't eat her tea. Mum tucked her into bed with Melody. But when she pressed the buttons, he went crazy. He mixed up the happy birthday, the Christmas songs and all her favourites into a jumble. And then he went silent. No matter which buttons Emily pressed, Melody wouldn't sing a note. Mum said that he must have been feeling miserable too. His battery was flat. Emily felt unhappy all night. She had had bad dreams about losing Melody. He was stolen by burglars or drowned in the river or was snatched from her by some big boys at the play park. She felt sure that he was unhappy too. She was pleased to wake up in the morning and find that Melody was there and hadn't been stolen. But there was no good morning song and he wouldn't sing any songs. 
Kitty made a funny groaning noise. She still had her cold and had to stay home from school that day. Dad bought a new battery for Melody. As soon as he put it in Melody's tummy, he began to sing. Emily felt better straight away, and Mum said that Melody must be feeling better too. The next night, Melody sang Emily to sleep, and she had a good night with pleasant dreams about taking Melody to Toyland and meeting lots of other bears. They were singing bears too, and Melody sang along with them. They sang all her favourite songs. In the morning, Emily felt much better. Melody sang good morning to her and she managed to catch the school bus on time. The rain had stopped and the muddy puddles had dried up. She remembered her homework book and she got all her spelling right. Her best friend Sally was back at school and it was a beautiful sunny day. Emily was happy again. you can get to by a boat or a train. It's far, far away. Behind the moon, beyond the rain. People know this song because it goes a whim away, a whim away. This song's called The Lion Sleeps Tonight by Hippo Singer and Dancing Dog. Whee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-
lost his wings. Hmm, let's find out, because our story today is by Peter Gwynn, and it's called How the Kiwi Lost His Wings. Early one morning, Pookie the Kiwi was creeping back to his little den under the old rata tree, walking very slowly, because in the daytime the light hurt his eyes and he couldn't see very well. He kept his head close to the ground, and his long bill touched it now and then as his head nodded. And as he walked, he puffed and snuffled. He looked rather like an old blind man with a cane, tapping his way along the street. Pookie was very tired, because he'd been up the whole night, hunting for worms and beetles to eat. And now he was looking forward to a good sleep in his warm nest. Now in the trees up above, one or two of the birds were watching. And as they always did when they saw Pookie shuffling along... They said to each other, what a pity it was that he couldn't fly. Of course, it didn't worry Pookie because he was used to walking. So he wasn't at all annoyed this particular morning when a fantail danced down beside him and said, Pookie, I'm very sorry you can't fly in the trees like I can. Doesn't it make you sad? No, replied Pookie, not in the least. As a matter of fact, a long time ago, we Kiwis could fly every bit as well as you can. Goodness, said the fantail, I didn't know that. Could we hear about it? Certainly, said Pookie. So all the birds gathered round to listen. 
Long, long ago, said Pocky, many thousands of years ago, in fact, the kiwis could fly as well as any other birds. But you must remember, friends, this was a very long time ago indeed. In fact, not long after the great Maui fished up this island from the depths of the ocean. There was much more forest in those days than there is now, and the god of the forest was the mighty Tani. Now Tani loved the forest and the birds that lived there, and the birds themselves were very happy and sang from morning till night. Some of those birds you wouldn't recognize today. For instance, Tui had no white bib under his chin, and Morpork wasn't brown as he is now, he was quite brightly colored. And as for us kiwis, well, we lived in treetops like the kaka and fed on berries and nectar from the bush flowers. And instead of having browny gray feathers, we were as brightly colored as Pukeko is today. But remember, this was a long, long time ago. The great Tani was a father to the forest. He saw that the giant cowries had room to grow tall and straight and made sure that the young rimus with their beautiful drooping branches had space to grow. When the winds and rains came and threatened to blow down the great trees or wash them down the gullies, he pleaded with Rangi in the sky, and the wind would drop and the rain cease and the sun would shine again. Then one terrible summer there came a plague of insects, and the floor of the forest was swarming with creeping, crawling things. Great beetles, long brown centipedes, fat, wriggling worms. They attacked the trees, eating the bark and the leaves and the roots, until the bush was no longer green, but a feverish, sickly yellow. So Tani called all of the birds of the forest together, and they came to him, the fantail, the pigeon, the tui, the moorpork, the kaka, the cuckoo, and every bird of every kind that lived in the bush. And Tani said, Birds, you know this terrible thing that is happening to the forest. Only you can save it. And the birds looked at one another and said, How? How can we save the bush, Tani? Tani answered them, some of you must come down from the trees and live on the ground. You must forget the light and sunshine of the treetops and live in the gloom of the forest floor. You must forget the sweet berries and the nectar and instead eat these creeping things that are destroying our forest. Which of you will do this? And none of the birds answered him. So Tani spoke to the shining cuckoo, Cuckoo, will you come down from the treetops and live on the forest floor? But the cuckoo hung her head and said, Great Tani, I am building my nest in the trees and I cannot leave it to go and live on the ground. Then Tani asked the moorpork, Oh, Ruru, little moorpork, will you come and live on the ground and stop this plague for us? But the moorpork looked the other way and said, Great Tani, I love the light. The forest floor would be too dark for my eyes. So Tani spoke to the Tui. Tui, will you do this thing for me and come and live on the forest floor? But the Tui said, Great Tani, I am afraid. 
I do not know what enemies I should meet on the ground. I cannot do it. Then Tane said to the Pukeko, Surely you will come down and live on the ground, will you not? But the Pukeko said, Great Tane, the ground is cold and damp, and I like to keep my feet dry in the high branches of the trees. Besides, the birds admire my bright colours. I would miss the company of all the other birds if I went to live on the forest floor. Perhaps some other bird will do this thing you ask. Now, Tane spoke to the kiwi, the beautiful kiwi that lived high in the tops of the trees, and said, Kiwi, will you do this thing for me? Will you come down and live on the forest floor? And because Kiwi loved the bush even more than he loved the high trees and the sunlight and the nectar of the flowers, he said, Yes, Tani, I will do it. Then Tani said, If you come down to the floor of the bush, you must lose your bright colours and become as dark as a shadow, so that you are not easily seen. You must lose your wings, so that in the long evenings when you sigh for your old life in the treetops, you cannot return there. And your slim legs must grow thick and strong, so that you can run quickly along the ground. Will you still come down and live on the forest floor? And the kiwi bowed his head and said, Yes, Tani, I will. Turning to the other birds, Tani said, Kiwi of all the birds is not selfish. You others thought not of the forest or of the other birds, but only of yourselves. You did not care if the forest died. And so that you and all others will remember your selfishness, I shall change you all. Cuckoo, you told me you were too busy building a nest to help me. From this day forth you shall never build another nest. You will lay your eggs in the nests of other birds and they will scorn you. And Morpork, you who love the light, from now on you shall live in the gloom of the forest and fly only in the black of the night. Tui, poor cowardly Tui, who is too afraid to come and live on the ground. From this day you shall wear at your throat the mark of the coward, the white feather. And where is Pukeko, vain Pukeko, so proud of his bright colours? Pukeko, who will not get his feet wet. Pukeko, who loves the company of other birds. From now on, your feet shall know only the dampness of the swamps, and you shall live in the lonely places and spend your days far from the birds of the bush. But Kiwi, 
Brave and noble little kiwi, though I must take away your wings and your bright feathers, your goodness shall never be forgotten. In years to come, you will become a symbol of this country. You will be known in every corner of the world. You other birds, those who, although I did not ask, would not offer to help me, you also I shall punish. I shall make you silent, and the voice of a bird shall never be heard in the forest again. Then Tani looked up and saw a bellbird looking at him, her face indescribably sad. And because he still loved the birds in spite of their selfishness, he said, Bellbird, you have touched my heart, so I shall make your punishment less severe. I will allow each of you to sing during the day but you may sing in full chorus only at dawn when the sun first touches the bush so that each fresh day you will remember. Then Tani was gone and the birds flew away, Morpork to the deepest, darkest, most secret parts of the bush, Pukeko to the dismal swamp, Cuckoo to hunt for nests to lay her eggs in. And Kiwi found himself on the ground, as grey as a ghost, without a trace of his wings, and with his legs that once were thin, now strong and thick, to scrape away the covering of dead leaves on the bush floor. And from that day to this, the birds haven't changed. Tui still wears his white feathers, and Pukeko still lives in the lonely swamp. And Kiwi still lives on the ground and keeps it clear of crawling, creeping things. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.